that's when the symptoms got really, really severe. Bloating, brain fog. That's when my mental health was really deteriorating too. My anxiety and depression were just horrible. And yeah, joint and back pain. As we talked about, I'm a laborer. Um, I work outside and I got to the point where I was, you know, hauling some, um, some soil and I, I went to bend down and I just locked up and I could hardly get up again. And I was just stuck in that position for like five or 10 seconds. And I thought, oh, I've, I've like broken my back or something like something's really severe here. You know, I was just so inflamed everywhere that I was just a walking mess. That was Ben Hampton. I'm Rich Bolas, and this is the Dad Mindset Show. Do you know the difference between gluten intolerance and celiac disease, or how hard it can be to diagnose the latter? Also, do you know how life-impacting going undiagnosed can be, yet how prevalent celiac disease is in society? These are all questions I didn't know the answers to, so I chatted with Ben Hampton from a gluten-free podcast who's gone on an epic journey of discovery ever since being diagnosed with celiac disease himself. Now, before we get into that, I've been looking at the podcast download stats, and 72% of you that download this podcast frequently do not subscribe. If you've ever enjoyed the conversations on this podcast, please could you do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. It helps this podcast more than you know, and the bigger the podcast gets, the bigger the guests will get. With that said, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ben Hampton. Ben Hampton, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here. Pleasure to be here. Now, Ben, I've been listening to your recent series that you did on, I guess, celiac disease uh, for, well, the children's special that you did on your podcast, a gluten-free podcast, and it's fantastic. Can you tell me a bit about what spurred that on? Yeah, so um, when I first got diagnosed with celiac disease, um, I thought I was, you know, I was feeling really alone in my journey and I had really no idea what it was. So it was a bit of a shock to me. Um, and I wanted to, it was during lockdown and COVID. So I couldn't really go out and, you know, speak to many people about celiac disease and, and being on this new gluten-free diet, I had no idea what, what to do. Um, so I started up an Instagram account and started up a podcast so I could speak to others, you know, and learn from others just as a bit of a selfish means, but hopefully for others who had started, you know, newly diagnosed and on their journey, um, they could learn a little bit as well and they could be on that journey with me. And it sort of, it progressed from there. And I started to speak to a lot of parents who had talked about the diagnosis of their kids and what a, like a, a really hard and long process that has been. And they had many ideas about, you know, the journeys that they've been on and how others could, you know, sort of benefit from their own stories. Um, and so I thought I'd put this this special together on children with celiac disease and what was supposed to be just a really short sort of special just to go for about an hour, maybe a one or two parter. It turned into a bit of a mammoth project. <laughs> um, uh, you know, once you start sort of looking into a certain area, you can just keep on going much deeper into it. And I really did want to dive deep into this because I wanted to know I'm a curious person, so hence why I started a podcast, hence why I'm a big podcast fan. I just want to know why. When someone tells me, you know, you 
you have been diagnosed with this disease. Well, what is this disease? You know, and why do I need to be on a on the gluten-free diet? What is gluten? You know, I had all these questions straight away. I think my doctor got a little bit annoyed with me at the no, time. No, those are great um, questions, Ben. But, Can you just back up yeah. and answer those questions? Because those are my questions to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, gluten, it's, it's a protein that's found in barley, rye. Oats is a bit of a controversial one in Australia. And... And wheat, of course, is what most people associate with gluten. And when people with celiac disease ingest this protein gluten, uh, it causes this autoimmune response inside of us. And that happens in the small intestine. And these things called villi are actually blunted. And those things are like, they're they're like these finger-like projections that sort of sit on the inside of the small intestine. And when those become blunted, we can't absorb the nutrients into our body. And so you get all these really different symptoms and that can range from anything from like lactose intolerance, eventually to osteoporosis, um, anemia, uh, and even some forms of cancers if it's left untreated. So yeah, it's, it's a, and that's, yeah, what happens to us with celiac disease. So it's a, it's a very serious autoimmune disease and, um, yeah, gluten, it's a very strange thing, but this protein gluten is the only thing that is known to cause that autoimmune response. People with celiac disease need to be gluten-free. Right. And so when you say autoimmune as well, because I always thought that it was almost like just a, uh, not, not an intolerance, but an allergy type thing. And, and they're different things as well, aren't they? Yes, they are. So a lot of people do get it confused with an intolerance, a gluten intolerance or an allergy. And it's not either of those things. So it is an autoimmune disease. So it's classed in the same sort of area as, you know, diabetes or um, multiple sclerosis, those sort of autoimmune diseases. Wow. So, and like when you say that there's so many different symptoms, that seems to be what makes it incredibly hard and left under the radar. Like how under the radar is this thing, Ben? Very under the radar. So one in 70 people are estimated to have it in Australia, but 80% are undiagnosed. And that's a pretty similar percentage all around the world, um, those undiagnosis rates. So it's, um, yeah, it flies under the radar so much because there is between 200 and 300 known symptoms that we actually know about. So this could range from people just having a bit of brain fog, just being a bit out of it and not presenting with any GI symptoms, no, you know, bloating or diarrhea or constipation or any of that. Or they could present with just GI symptoms or they could even be asymptomatic. Uh, so it is very, very tricky for health professionals to, to pick up, you know, this disease. Wow. And what were your symptoms? Like, how did you come to discover that you were gluten intolerant? Yeah. So I, um, at the beginning of 2020, uh, it was... Actually, sorry, Ben, did a, I just use the a, wrong language yeah. then? Did I say gluten intolerant? Is that actually incorrect? Is that not the way to term it? How would you term the condition when you say, I am? Like, what's the language that you use there, Ben? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but diagnosed with celiac disease. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, no, no, totally fine. It's all good. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, at the beginning of 2020, um, I caught a gastro bug and uh, we caught it from my daughter who is um, Little at daycare at the time. <laughs> yes, yes, they, they do. They, um, yeah, they bring back home those bugs. And so my wife and I and my daughter caught this bug, but my wife and my daughter recovered pretty quickly, like within a few days to a week. Um, but I started to just get bouts of this recurring gastro bug it was really strange and 
uh, I was returning to the GP because it went on for about three weeks or so. Um, I'd get better a few days later. I'd have, you know, vomiting, diarrhea, um, like constipation just and just losing a ton of weight too. I was um, getting quite worried even within those first couple of weeks that something was really wrong. Uh, so I kept on going back to my, um, my health professional at the time and they just, you know, started doing a few tests and it was really hard to book in for tests, you know, during COVID at that time. So it was, yeah, it was difficult to begin with, but yeah. So they sent me for blood tests. I had two full counts of blood tests done. Um, then I had a CT, had an MRI, uh, and also an ultrasound. So they were checking for anything sinister going on. Wow. Yeah. The full, uh, and full, full makeover. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Um, and everything came back normal, but there was really slight markers on my liver. That was the only thing that was going on. But my, you know, my doctor just said, that's to be expected. You know, you've been through obviously a few bouts of gastro and we need to perhaps get you on some probiotics or something like that. Just get you back onto your normal diet. Um, and you know, you, you should be happy and healthy in not too long. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll just go back and do my normal thing. And I just kept on getting sick. This kept on happening. I kept on getting these stomach cramps. Um, couldn't think properly at all. Just so, so scattered started to get balance problems. Um, and yeah, started to get a lot of mental health issues as well. And I can now look back and correlate that to being undiagnosed. Uh, but what really, really set me off and, you know, prompted me to, to keep on going back was that I was losing a ton of weight. And I, you can tell, like, just by looking at, I'm not, you know, the biggest guy. Um, I didn't weigh that much to begin with, but I dropped from about early 70 kilos, like 71, 72 kilos down to about 62 kilos in the space of about six months. Um, and so, yeah, about 10 kilos or so. And without changing anything in my diet, without doing anything different with exercise or anything. So I knew that something wasn't right. Um, so I kept a food journal. I was just desperate at this point. Um, so I just started logging my food and I found that certain foods were causing these issues and creating these symptoms. So it was like breads, pastas, um, ice creams, beer, all that sort of stuff. And what I now know is gluten, but I didn't know that that was, that was what it was. I didn't know what gluten was at all and where it was contained in certain foods. So I, um, yeah, I started keeping this food journal and I took that to my doctor and I just said, look, I think these foods are actually causing these issues. And they were very skeptical. Um, they said, no, don't change your diet whatsoever. And actually, ironically, I should have definitely listened to that um, because you shouldn't go gluten-free before testing for celiac. And I was just desperate at this point And I was like, okay, I'm not sure what to do, but I just went gluten-free by accident, not knowing what those foods were. Yeah. And so why do, why um, do they say not to go gluten-free before testing though? Why is that such an important thing, it, Ben? So it doesn't give accurate results if you if you are not uh, consuming gluten at the time you're going for those blood tests. The antibody levels won't show accurately if you are reacting to gluten or yeah, not. So you get so, a false negative. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I actually went gluten free for a period of it was like maybe three or four weeks. It was a really short time, uh, but then I I 
must have, you know, started eating a bit of gluten again. And I started getting those symptoms once again. And so by this point, I was just over it. This has been going on for like nine months or so. Uh, and actually, my wife's friend just said, look, um, I was diagnosed uh, with celiac disease just last year. Maybe you should just ask for a celiac test. And I was like, what's, what's celiac disease? What is this then? And how do you spell um, it? So I just, I, yeah, I, yes, I thought it started with an S, actually. Um, <laughs> like I had no idea about it um, and no idea what gluten was either. Yep. And so I just took that to my, uh, to my doctor and they said, yeah, we could, we could chuck that on. We, you know, we've done everything else, may as well. Uh, and it came back off the chart. Like oh, they wow. actually couldn't read the the readings. They were so high. Um, and yeah, and then that, this crazy journey all started. Wow. And so like, that's quite unusual, isn't it? Because I've heard, especially listening to your podcast, that a lot of times it's actually hard to get that celiac test done. Whereas you've obviously yes. gone through the full works and they're like, geez, there's nothing less left to test. Let's let's put this one on. Do you think it would have been much harder if you'd just gone straight up and said, hey, I'm having these problems with these eating these foods. Can I get a celiac test? Is, is that an issue generally? Is it hard to get tested? Across the board, yeah, 100%. It's, um, and it's actually, uh, and I covered this in my special parents have, even when parents and people within the family have been diagnosed and there is a um, certain percentage of people who, if they have a family member with celiac disease, um, they should be screened. Those other people within the immediate family should be screened. And parents have come along saying, I have celiac disease or someone in my family has celiac disease. I want to get my child tested because they're displaying these certain symptoms. And the doctor has actually said, no, we're not going to test you. Is it and super I think, expensive um, or something, yeah. or is it really? What's the test involved? Not really. It's a blood test. Um, it's it's a simple blood test. So and and it's and it's uh, rebated by Medicare. And look, I understand that you know sometimes doctors are hesitant to send people for blood tests because of that Medicare rebate, and they have to stick to a certain you know threshold or whatever. But when this is related to you know so many other autoimmune diseases and health outcomes in the future, it's not just you know a um a little thing to not worry about it's it's very very serious and that's what that's why you know i do all this work that i do all the advocacy work and the podcast like i'm trying to get the word out there about that yeah and so what what do you feel ben is do you feel like we're at this sort of inflection point where people are realizing just the magnitude of how important this this disease is and and that's why the tables are starting to turn yeah very slowly um, it, it's, it's a lot better than it used to be. I speak to people who have been diagnosed, you know, uh, years ago, a decade ago, even decades ago. And they say that, you know, the awareness level was terrible back then. And it is a lot better now, but there's still obviously a long way to go. You know, 80% of people going undiagnosed, um, a lot of people were out there like me, you know, pre-celiac diagnosis, and they're just wandering around feeling horrible and not knowing the reasons for that. And, um, and then, yeah, like you say, I, I still think there's a long way to go. Diabetes and all those other types of things can, you know, be kicked off by it. So, you know, down the track. Exactly. I, I wonder yeah. how many people are actually having these really, you know, I, I guess life shortening diseases occur because this has gone un undiagnosed. Yeah. And the, uh, and also, yeah, just not the physical symptoms of it as well, the mental health, health um, aspects of it too. Um, yeah, pre-celiac diagnosis, I had a lot of yeah anxiety, um, depression as well, um, and that was that was really kicking in. 
And I speak to a lot of people in the same boat and they're just discovering that now that this inflammation can actually go straight to the brain when uh, people with celiac disease ingest gluten and it can cause a lot of neurological issues. And I really do wonder um, a lot of people that are getting diagnosed with certain neurological issues uh, if that is related to undiagnosed celiac. I know not everybody is because you know it is a genetic um, predisposition. You have one or two of the genes that can go on to develop celiac disease. And if um, if you find out that you don't have one or two of those genes, you won't get celiac. So it's um, it's that simple, and that should be put on to a blood test as well, uh, so that if you get you know screened once, you can know. Okay, yeah. I won't have celiac disease. If you do have one or two of the genes, okay, maybe just check it out in the future if symptoms appear. So, in your mind, then Ben, and speaking to all the people that you have done over the last year, you know, few years. What do you think would be an easy answer then? Is it sort of screening at a certain age or something like that? It's difficult because everybody's in a, you know, a different position with their health and with their diet and uh, what they're able to afford as well is, is a big deal because to get the gold standard, they call it, of being diagnosed with celiac disease, you have to go forward for a blood test. Um, then if the blood test comes back positive, you have to go on a gluten challenge if you've been gluten-free like I was for six weeks. So that doesn't sound crazily like a fun enough, challenge though. It's, it's not, it's not, it's, it's, uh, it's horrible. Um, so I had to go on gluten for six weeks leading up to an endoscopy. And so they put a, just a small tube, you know, down into your intestine. They take a small sample, um, of your intestine just to see if those villi are damaged. And that's how they confirm celiac disease. But that's, you know, not everybody can afford that. And not everybody can afford to take that amount of time off work. Like I didn't, I just, I just kept on working throughout that period. And it was, um, it was horrible. What were yeah. the sort of things, symptoms that you were having then? Because you were obviously amping up the, the gluten that you were consuming. Yeah, that's that's when the symptoms got really, really severe. So I got, you know, um, bloating, brain fog. That's when my mental health um, uh, was really deteriorating too. My anxiety and depression were just uh, horrible. Um and yeah, joint and back pain. I could, I got to the point. I remember because yeah, as we talked about, I'm a laborer. Um, I work outside, and I got to the point where I was, you know, hauling some um some soil, and I, I went to bend down, and I just locked up, and I could hardly get up again. Jeez. And I was just stuck in that position for like five or ten seconds, and I thought, oh, I've I've like broken my back or something like something's really severe here, and uh, I just had you know stages of that where my joints and I would, you know, I was just so inflamed everywhere um, that I was just a walking mess and I just wanted it to be over with. I just wanted to go get that endoscopy for them to say, yes, you are celiac and you can go gluten-free now. And then just to be done with it. Cause um, I was in a really, really bad way. I actually ran into someone just the other day who hadn't seen me since 2020. And they said, wow, you look so much better. I, I was really worried about you. And, um, yeah, it, it was. I looked horrible. I looked really, really bad. Um, we well, look good now, Ben. Yeah. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I'm, yeah, still. Um, yes, yeah, still sort of recovering from it, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, in a lot better shape than I than I was before. What when you look back at before 2020, do you remember having symptoms earlier, or do you think this sort of gene got flicked on in 2020 somehow? Yeah, I think uh, I think it definitely got switched on, like uh, definitely. 
in um in 2020 when I caught that gastro so you, bug. You I don't, think that's what you really don't re- ignited yeah. it. But you, you don't remember sort of having sort of mouth ulcers or things like that previously. I do. Yeah. I, looking back, I can sort of connect all the dots together. I had so much time off school, even in primary school, I'd have stomach aches all the time. Um, I had a load of antibiotics all the time for these different, you know, um, issues that the doctor was just like, just take some antibiotics. It, it was just thrown out there in the nineties. Um, they just like, you know, throw a bunch of, a course of antibiotics at you straight away. I think they know a little bit different now to be sort of careful with doing that. Um, but I, I'd just be sick. I'd be sick all the time and I couldn't concentrate at school either. I remember being so tired, um, especially at high school as well. And I know that that would just be, you know, deemed as, oh, you're just going through the teenage years. You know, you just, your body's changing a lot. All these hormones are coming through. And um, I don't think it, like it was an excuse or anything like that from the doctors because it flies under the radar so much like we were talking about. But I think that I definitely should have been screened earlier for sure. Yeah, gotcha. And now that you know that, you know, you've got celiac disease, for your daughters, because you've got two daughters, haven't you, Ben? Yeah. So you're going to have like your your like antenna's going to be right up when it comes to yeah. trying to spot these symptoms. Um, like, have you had them screened now? So we had our daughter screened last year, uh, and she has one of like it's sort of a um a a variation of one of the genes that could go on to develop it in the future. So she has a very low chance of developing it, but we're always you know, keeping an eye out on how her development's going um, and we're having regular checkups with her. So, yeah, we know now that she has one of those variations of the genes so we can be on the lookout for it. And we'll be doing that with our uh, youngest daughter. She's too young to be screened at the moment. And I spoke to a lot of people about this, a lot of parents in my um, special just recently on children with celiac disease that, you know, even going for a blood test with toddlers and with really young kids, that's the hard thing in the first place. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And they think that they're doing something wrong and and to try and make that a um, a comfortable process for them is, uh, it it can be quite difficult. Um, But... Yeah, yeah, we'll de- we'll definitely keep an eye on it for sure. And as you said, my antenna's up there and everybody that I speak to with celiac, they know what a, a hard process it is to diagnosis and how difficult that is to get that across to health professionals to screen it, yeah. to be on board together. Yeah. Now, I- I've got to be completely upfront here, Ben. Like I used to just pass it off as, I don't know, just really flippant. Oh, gluten intolerance, yep. yeah, whatever. You you probably get a bit of bloating, yep. great. And I, I was just so ignorant to just how how sort of life-altering having gluten, well, celiac disease can be. And even to the extent, like recently, a few months ago, I was on school camp and one of the kids, two of the kids actually were, you know, had celiac disease. And so we had separate toasters and everything. I was like, wow, this is this is a bit full on. Is it really this, like a single crumb can set these people off? I thought I thought it was just like parents being overly precious or you know that sort of thing i i I definitely you know was totally ignorant and like it can be that sort of small amount of gluten that can trigger some really gnarly symptoms can't it yes yeah um so one one hundredth of a slice of normal wheat bread can cause that autoimmune reaction in australia we're deemed as super super strict um, but the, pretty much the strictest in the in the entire world compared to Europe and the US, uh, our labeling laws 
products and our protocols for cross-contamination around prepackaged food is um is yeah deemed extremely strict yeah so, so i guess i mean this is selfishly as well like how do i not be that parent that's an idiot when you have a birthday party or something and a child comes along with celiac disease how do you not be the idiot that causes some issues or like what are the things as a parent that we need to be aware of not necessarily for our kids but for other people's kids and just being more sympathetic around um what they need when they come have play dates or whatever what sort of protocols you know they take at home how they would like to go about it because if you're going to invite kids over these days i mean there's a chance that one of them if not the parents will have dietary requirements like and so that that's something that we've learned um since my diagnosis you know I, it's not just celiac disease like kids aren't just gluten-free there's you know there's dairy-free kids there's kids with anaphylaxis there's so many nut allergies and and different allergies to certain foods these days there's vegan there's vegetarian like there's there's so many different diets that people require these days, um, sometimes for lifestyle, but also for health reasons. Um, so just speaking to those parents and just saying, you know, look, uh, not making a, a huge deal out of it because I know that that can be sort of a, it's a hard thing to talk about at the best of times. And I think um, I'm not sure if if kids will be on this level that they would be really conscious about, you know, talking about being gluten-free perhaps when they get to the teenage years and they're a bit more subconscious of you know how they're going to be perceived but just to quietly have a chat to the parents you know do your kids have any dietary requirements um, or just to put that on an invitation to begin with so people can write back and tell you you know just individually they can just communicate with you one-on-one yeah and um and just to say okay how how would that look like are you happy to you know for us to uh, you know, serve some food and just keep it separate, maybe cling wrap it over and just keep that separate for that child. Um, do they just, you know, want to bring their own food? Like how, how would you like it to look? Um, and I think just leaving it in their, you know, in the parents court and what's best for their child, because they all know their kid. We all know our kids and how they will react to certain social situations. Um, but I guess the aim is just to not let that kid feel left out. Like any kid, you just want to be included. You just want to be able to, you know, um, get together and have fun and eat together and, uh, it not be a, um, uh, an issue sort of an awkward or yeah, or, or an issue. Yeah. yeah it must be so hard for the kids. I mean, it, it, I know it's hard for adults when they're yeah. going through, going to out for dinner or something. Oh no, I, I can't eat that. And I know I, I've got friends who have been in that situation and you can, you can feel for them. Like when they're sort of saying, oh, no, I just can't eat that. So and checking when the meal comes to the table after they've ordered as well, which is also, you know, listen to your podcast, really important. Like you can order gluten free and they can confirm that it's, it is gluten free on the menu. But then you've also got to just double confirm when the waiter or the waitress comes up and you're like, is this actually the gluten free meal that I ordered? Because that can go horribly wrong as well, can't it? It can. And it's sort of unless it's 100 percent gluten free place. There's risk. There's, there, it's basically, and I think for, for people to understand that as well, that every time you're inviting someone out with celiac disease um, or, you know, they're gluten-free for other reasons, there's a there's an amount of stress that's happening with them. So if they don't seem themselves, if they're a bit on edge, if they're looking around, you know, if they're wondering what to order and then sort of double checking with the waiter, what's going through their mind is, is this going to make me sick? Is this meal going to make me sick? Rather than sort of, you know, Enjoying I'm getting better at this as well. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's it's sort of a um uh, you get used to it over time. I've I've gotten better at it. Um, been on this journey for you know nearly three years now. So like I'm getting better at it, but yeah, there's there's a lot of different things that can happen in between ordering your meal and that going to the chef, it being made and then brought back out to you. Like I've people ask me why you know. I get so concerned about it. Why are you so anal about your food? And you're like, let me tell you a story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you've got five minutes, I'll sit down and tell you about it. But um, yeah, just because I've worked in kitchens in the past and I know that, you know, it's a messy business. There's chefs, you know, like with the with the dockets coming up and they're stressed and they're trying to get, you know, apprentice chefs to do certain things. And then there's waiters coming in and they're shouting at each other and things are sometimes not heard. Um, and the different meal can come out and yeah. So to always, um, double check that your meal is a hundred percent, the gluten-free meal that you ordered is, uh, it's, it's not a bad thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a good idea to double check. Cause we, we were actually at a wedding, um, about a year ago and I wasn't at the table. I was having a couple of drinks with friends and my wife was actually luckily at the table. And she said, Oh, is this the gluten-free meal that um, my husband requires? Cause he's got celiac. And they said, Oh no, that's the pasta. I'm sorry. So, and that's like kryptonite. <laughs> yes. I, I would have, I would have sat down and just, just eaten that. And unknowingly. You, you'd have probably um, been like, Oh, this tastes amazing. <laughs> yes. Well, I've done that a couple of times too. I've actually had, um, you know, gluten containing food and I didn't know uh, and I didn't ask enough questions like I did all that silly stuff early on in my diagnosis um and yeah and but you can realize it's it's this weird thing of like your brain registers wow this tastes amazing oh no <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's yeah sort of this uh double whammy um oh, and then you know you're in a world of pain so yeah it's a, it's a tricky it's a very tricky disease to navigate and i think yeah especially for kids too well because i, I took us off the yeah. off in, into the rough there and i apologize for no, that because right. we were talking about the birthday parties and i think that's the thing because there is still such a stigma around this i know i've been at parties and parents are like, oh yeah there's the and you know the, the horrible language that's used around this as well you know i've heard people when they talk about themselves in a self-deprecating way saying uh, I am a glutard you know having to feel that they mm. have to self-deprecate to make it easy for everyone and and it's a real shame that people can still be such a dick about this and and it would be horrible yeah. for parents to actually put that on a kid and it's not the kid's fault and I can imagine yeah. a kid going to a party and being sort of labeled as the the special kid that needs special treatment or something like that and what that must feel like for a kid it would be horrible to have adults actually sort of treat you in a way that one ostracizes you, but just is not epic behavior on any level. And I think that's, you touched on something really important there. I think the diet culture is included with, with celiac disease because it's a, the only known treatment for us, for people with celiac disease is a gluten-free diet, is a strict gluten-free diet. And although that's awesome that we do, don't need any drugs and it's just a diet that treats it and manages it it also sucks because we're then in this diet culture of you know people just think it's a fad yeah. and fair enough because they're not educated around it it's like people are gluten-free and it's like well no they actually have celiac disease or, or you know a, a large majority of them have celiac disease and it's like oh well i thought that was just a diet and it's like no it's actually this you know 
really serious autoimmune condition yeah. and people need to be on that diet because it's the only known management management for their health. And ironically, I used to mock people um, who were on diets in the past. Like I would say, oh, you know, you're vegetarian or you're vegan or, or <laughs> I, I probably even said gluten-free. Like what are you just trying to be like a Kardashian? Like what are you doing? Um, <laughs> but bit- ironically, you know, I, I now have to be on this strict gluten-free diet. And now that I know uh, what it is and and how severe things can be if I'm not on that gluten free diet. Um, I'm I'm doing my best to spread awareness about that. Yeah. Okay. So, what are the best things then for like what what's the 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 one minute takeaway that you reckon everyone should be just be aware of around celiac disease? Like what? Just what we've been talking about. Um, it's it is you know celiac disease is a really serious autoimmune condition and um and the only known treatment for that is a gluten-free diet i think you know just to, to have a conversation with people who have been diagnosed and just to see what their life is like now and how that's changed um and to also just encourage people to go forward and get tested even if you you know there's a whole range of symptoms. There's between 200 and 300 known symptoms with this disease. And some people can even be asymptomatic. So I think just to know that, you know, just to go forward and get tested, no matter what, if you haven't been tested for it, just ask your doctor, can I just get tested for celiac disease? Um, Or just have the gene test done when you, when you next have a blood test on your panel, just to see, it'd be interesting to see if you have one or two of the genes that then go on to activate it. Um, because yeah, I just, I just don't want people out there to, you know, be in a world of pain like I was pre-celiac, yeah. and and to, and to know that it's just a diet, you know, it is very complicated. The you know going gluten free, but you can manage it. Um, but you can manage it. Yeah, you can absolutely manage it, and it's doable. And um, and you're going to prevent yourself from getting these horrible health effects in the future. And if you're not going to do it for yourself then do it for your kids and the next generations that follow because it'll make it an easier time for them. And they won't have to, as we talked about, there may be a cure in the future if enough people get diagnosed and there's enough funding that comes in from the government. And um, yeah, so if you're not going to do it for your own health sake, just go and do it for your kids or your grandkids. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Well, I think from from the perspective of like, just, just be more aware, be, me, like not being an idiot around other people's situations, but also getting yourself tested because I, I wonder how many people are, are living their lives right now in brain fog, all sorts of symptoms, and just like a simple test could have answered so many pro, uh, so many of these questions for them and, yeah. and been life-altering. And that's really hitting me, the magnitude of this, uh, of something that I had just passed off as something quite sort of not not benign but just a a bit of a pain in the ass but actually it's it's way 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 more than that and so it's great the work that you're doing ben oh thanks man and yeah literal pain in the ass um (laughs) for for a lot of people who suffer with it but no i i I totally understand because um yeah i i was as we talked about the same boat um i was yeah, like pretty ignorant about it and happily ignorant as well. Cause I didn't have to deal with it. It's like, you know, if someone's gluten-free, it's like, oh, well it's, you know, maybe they're a bit precious or, you know, they're sort of doing this fad diet and that's cool, you know, but um, yeah, just, just educate yourself about it and to know what this disease is and uh, yeah, why people are on the gluten-free diet. Uh, 
it'll just make it a bit bit of an easier time for everybody involved. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, the takeaway for me here is to, hey, get that on the next blood test and just put it on the panel. But um, yeah, for sure. What are the sort of, what, what are the things that you, you know, suggest to other parents, like when parents come to you and, and start learning about this? it's um it's sometimes hard to know where to start hence why i started you know i did this entire uh children with celiac disease special i just point them towards that now um because i tried to cover everything as concisely and as um informatively as i possibly could in a very you know short space of time over four episodes because there's so much involved there's a and, lot and i hasten to but, add like you you, you said yeah. i had to do it in an hour and you realized oh my gosh yes. this is like pulling on the threads i'm <laughs> just like unearthing it was i i think and i i definitely um sort of echo that like just for people to just listen to that special is really good i mean one of the things that really hit home for me was the italian doctor i think it was that had dr fasano yeah, yeah. Heard, heard like this screaming sort of four-year-old outside or whatever and was like what is going on with that kid is someone drawing blood or something and he went out and the kid was just sat with the mom on the on the lap and she was like this is my life he screams all the time this is this is what he does as soon as he wakes up he's screaming he doubled over with cramps and everything and and he was like yeah. oh well has he been tested for celiac because in italy it's a a much more recognized condition and he'd been through all sorts of testing and and it just hadn't been found and and i think just having that awareness of you know that there could be an answer that that makes people's lives so much easier and i think that's the that's the 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 take-home for me anyway for sure and yeah and just to being open to to different ideas and to um just just being open while you're on that journey as well if your kid has just been diagnosed or you're going through that process to just know that it is a diet that is going to treat it and manage it. You're not going to have to have them on other drugs if they don't have any other conditions um, or if it doesn't get, you know, too severe. So just to know that, that things are going to improve once they go gluten-free and that gluten gets out of their system, they're going to be a different kid. And, um, and you'll see that journey and that'll be just mind blowing for you. And I've seen that I've seen, you know, people who have, parents who have come to me and they've said, you know, my kid has just started this journey and I said, it's okay. So it'll be okay. It'll, it'll, you know, you'll figure it out. You know, there might be a few mistakes. It's okay. They're still super young. Um, it's going to suck at the time, but you're going to learn from that. And I've just like me, I got diagnosed at 31. I made so many mistakes. Um, but I learned from each of those mistakes and how to be prepared and sort of get myself, you know, out of those situations in the future. So yeah, it, it'll, I tell people, you know, it is overwhelming. There's no denying that. And to sit in, sit in the overwhelm for a bit and to be go, whoa, geez, like this is, this is full on. This is crazy. But it, yeah, it'll get better. It'll get better for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, so many questions, Ben. But I think the, the thing I, I really want to sort of finish on, I guess, is the, the, the positives. Like what, what have you discovered dietary-wise that you really love that you never would have even tried before? There's so many more like gluten free oh, like, foods now, yeah. aren't there? There's heaps. There's heaps. And um just to get into cooking and baking would probably be the biggest positive in in this whole um you know, whole journey. Aside from obviously, you know, making myself a lot healthier and 
avoiding those really bad health outcomes in the future. Just getting into the cooking, baking side of stuff. Like I was such a bachelor cooker before. I just, you know, chuck a couple of, you know, steaks or sausages on the barbie or do like a spag bowl or, you know, put a freezer pizza in the oven or something. Like I I was really bad. Um, But this is like sort of forced me to really understand food and how to make really nice, delicious meals. And, um, and yes, delicious meals can be gluten-free. There are a heap of (laughs) gluten-free meals out there and people are blown away. Like I just don't tell them when they come over sometimes I've just made a dish or a dessert and, um, and don't tell them that it's gluten-free. And they're like, Oh, you're eating this too. Like, yeah, it's gluten-free. And Whoa. (laughs) Like it, it just tastes normal to them. And, and I have some very blunt friends. They're not just BSing by the way. <laughs> so um, they would tell me if it's crap. Um, but so yeah, like I've, I've learned to, you know, sort of cook and bake gluten-free and I'm loving that journey. And my wife is too, by the way. Um, she's happy that she's not the only one that has to be in the kitchen all the time. <laughs> so um, what's, your, what's your favorite meal? Yeah, what, what's yeah. your favorite meal then? I, at the moment, I'm just obsessed with making bread. And I've got this really awesome loaf. Um, See, I had to me, the lady I, on the I had podcast no idea. who like, made it. When you, when you say, like, it's, can it be done well? Like, It's so good. It's it's so good. And um, like I've kind of forgotten what gluten, you know, sort of – I can sort of remember what it tastes like. But making this fresh loaf, like I make this twice a week now because I eat way too much of it. Um, but And I'm about to make some actually this morning too. <laughs> but it is – it's so good. It's really, really good. A buckwheat and tapioca um, – uh, it's just a really easy bowl and spoon loaf that I make. And it takes like no time at all, super easy ingredients. And um, yeah, it tastes great. So I'm obsessed with making that. That's my, like, my number one thing that I like to make at the moment. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, Ben. So good. All right. Well, thank you so much. Like This has been eye-opening for me. Oh, thank and, you. And I think the definitely I want to point people at the children's special that you put together because it's so well done so informative and it's Thank definitely so opened my eyes to to this and uh, you know hopefully you know it can help some people to you know realize that you know what they're going through is actually something that they can manage and and turn around yeah for sure thanks so much for listening to it rich and and saying that as well i I really appreciate it because i did put a lot of effort into this special uh it's not like my other episodes on my podcast where i have um guests in and i just interview them uh one-on-one i I did put a lot more you know effort into making it more of a documentary style with you know sort of music and editing and um and to just make it a um a really informative but sort of you know yeah a better listen basically for everybody involved. So um, yeah, no, really, really do appreciate that. And I hope that it can just ha- like, you know, if it helps a couple of people out there who have just been diagnosed or going through that process, then like job done hundred percent. Exactly. Now, well done, Ben. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for listening. If you're at all interested in finding out more about celiac disease and living gluten-free, you should check out Ben's four part podcast special. If you're keen to find some good gluten-free recipes like the one Ben talked about, he recommends the book Easy Gluten-Free by Helen Suganatos, which, along with his podcast special, I'll leave links to in the show notes at thedadmindset.com. As always, the content of this podcast doesn't constitute, nor should it be considered, specific medical advice. As with all medical, physical and health queries you may have, the best place to start is with your own health practitioner. Well, That's about all from me for now. I hope you have a great week and as always, enjoy your caffeinated beverage.